I didn't want to go out, see anybody. I was consumed by fear of every little thing, fear of having like every little symptoms. I was always thinking it was something deadly and I was examining my body. If I was having like a little spot, I was already thinking I was having a, a skin cancer. I really had no life. I was miserable. This channel is about patients sharing their stories and healing. Oftentimes people are frustrated with not having the right answers when it comes to their health. I created this channel to share patient stories with you. Maybe you'll resonate with someone. Maybe you will learn the path that they took to healing and it helps you in your own journey. Welcome to another episode of Healing Journeys. We are here today with Christina, who is gonna to talk to us about her journey through anxiety. A lot of you may relate to that problem, oftentimes gets dismissed by the medical community or just has one solution, a prescription, and no other tools to help you identify the symptoms or help you with the tools to navigate anxiety. So welcome today, Christina, and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so happy to be here and share my story. I know that having uh, the opportunity to listen the journey of other people is an incredible tool that can help anybody to feel uh, less alone and and help you know to go navigate it towards the recovery. Like you say, I had a severe anxiety and panic attack starting. I probably had it all my life, but I had this like crazy journey a couple of years ago when I luckily find you, and my life was miserable. I, I can't even say I had life. So I was consumed by fear of every little things, uh, fear of having like every little symptoms. I was always thinking it was something deadly and I was examining my body. I was having like a, a little spot. I was already thinking I was having a, a skin cancer or like a, I, I really had no life. I didn't want to go out, see anybody. I was um, I was miserable. So yeah, I, I'm you. much better now. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're much better, but I know that, you know, the symptoms that you're describing, a lot of people can relate to that. They feel overwhelmed. It affects their daily living. Their thoughts are invasive, persistent, and pervasive. They repeat the same thoughts over and over again, even though their health anxiety can cause them to have severe impairment when they have to deal with other people. There's also some amount of anger because no one else is helping them or they feel hopeless and helpless because they don't have answers mm -hmm. and, um, and not being able to sleep, not being able to eat, not being able to function can also be a problem. So Christina, tell us a little bit about two years ago when you started to have these spells, what was your day like? Well, you know, like I started having this and I'm sure it's related also with the fact that I probably had some hormonal imbalance and I was experiencing uh, some of the typical menopausal or premenopausal symptoms. And of course, having a health anxiety, I, I wasn't dismissive or, or I wasn't thinking, oh my God, it's going to go away. So I, I, every little symptoms could be like a, like a, just a simple headache or insomnia or like a, having a palpitation. I was over and over thinking, uh, oh my gosh, what is this? Why is it not going away? I wasn't even thinking about my hormones but actually was a true anxiety. So I was uh, constantly having this palpitation and um, I, I couldn't breathe. And those symptoms were 
most of the time turning into a panic attack. Panic attack that they were completely debilitating. Like for five or six hours, I was shaking because I was keep thinking, I was trying everything to try to stop it. And and the more I was trying, the more this the panic attack was getting worse. So I've been seeing some doctor, and like you said before, many times I was dismissed with, oh, it's just anxiety, you know, just take some Xanax or just take uh, this medication. And and they were not really helping. You know, I was even anxious to take the medication because I was trying to be healthy. So just the, the idea of being dependent on the medication was giving me anxiety. And it wasn't really helping because I was still having the same symptoms. All those symptoms and the anxiety really affected my lifestyle. I, I, like you say before, I was afraid to be in a social scenery because I was ashamed and I was feeling like, oh, what if I'm having a panic attack? Or what if I die? What if uh, nobody can or disrupt the whole social? Uh, situation, you know, like it could it be a dinner or a restaurant? I've been in many, many times at a restaurant and just sit down and and suddenly my mind start thinking, what am I having a panic attack? And I had to leave, you know, instantly I was having a panic attack. So I arrived at the point that I, I didn't go anywhere. I was recruited. I was like having totally agoraphobia, I didn't want to get out of my room. I, I couldn't do anything. You're speaking to a lot of the people out there that have very similar symptoms. It leads to social isolation, not being able to get out of your bedroom or even your bed yeah. and feeling the fear of even interacting with other people or leaving can cause us to then become reclusive, isolated. And then the shame and the guilt of it to feel feel like you can't be outside and, and you know anytime this could come upon you. And not having control over your symptoms, not knowing when it's going to erupt or, or when it's going to affect you uh, can really be disruptive. I, I do want to bring you back to the point you made before. A lot of times people get dismissed when they have panic attacks and anxiety and it gets just blamed, especially women, that this is just part of your yeah. mental state. But it's so important to talk about hormones, Christina, because a lot of women that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or even on the extremes of age, may be having hormonal imbalances. And that could be the root cause or one of the root causes of the hypervigilance and hyperarousal we call anxiety. And it yeah. does get dismissed. So one of the things you and I did together is yeah. that we did a full hormone analysis. We did a full hormone blood panel to look at your female male hormones, to, to, to look at cortisol, to look at thyroid. And a lot of times patients don't have access to doctors that do those kinds of extensive tests. So I do invite people that are watching today to find a good integrated functional doctor that can do that proper testing. And then so we... Yeah, right? Wasn't that an important piece of revelation? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because even when I first recognized that it could be, as you recall, like the hormone, I went to see a doctor and I was treated like a, not as a, you know, as, as a person with like the problem, the specific levels having. 
but with general, like they were giving me like hormones, like a general population, and it was creating more problem because I was tired, and then they were giving me more testosterone, more testosterone, more testosterone, and so I had even more of those palpitations, which caused me to have anxiety. So I was going to the opposite you know instead of going to recovery i was going to the opposite direction i was feeding even more my anxiety it was terrible so important to bring up that point that it's not just low hormones that could cause symptoms even excessive over medication with hormones can cause the problem and i see that a lot that patients will go to these clinics that are hormone clinics where they're just pounding the testosterone yep. and pounding the estrogen and they're doing pellet therapies and they're exaggerating the dosages and they're not quite doing lab tests to follow up if what they're prescribing is in good range so another really important point for folks that are getting hormone replacement therapy, make sure that your clinic, your doctor, your providers are doing routine lab tests to see if you're over-medicated, because that's just as important as not getting enough. So thank you yeah. so much for bringing that point up. Absolutely. And I actually have to say that the traditional medicine, you know, sometimes just follow, you know, the, the whatever the panel. And I think as a functional doctor like you, it's so important to actually communicate it with the patient because we are all different. And sometimes, you know, like you have to listen to your body and, you know, dismiss what really is like the average, like how you feel. As you recall, many times, you know, I was having other symptoms and I have to lower my estrogen, even if the normal range was supposed to be like that. But I felt so much better, you know, with like a lower estrogen. And it was like always different, you know, every two or three months it was different. So it's really important because like you say, it's important to have a dialogue with the patient, understanding the lifestyle, what they're eating, you know, because the hormones can come from a dip, not just from your ovaries or, you know, you know, you can produce estrogen even based on your lifestyle or like your weight. Or, so it's so, so important. And then I never had that, you know, I, that's why I was having all this problem because the traditional doctor says, okay, your range is supposed to be here and here, here's more, here's more. And I wasn't feeling good, you know, I wasn't, and they were saying, well, you know, they're normal. They're okay. So stay on that. It's so important for any age group. If women are listening to us today and they're in their 20s and 30s, oftentimes if they're menstruating, they get dismissed or they're just given a standard birth control pill. They're not given any other option or they never get tested. They say you're too young to be tested. And that's also not true. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of women who have early menstrual irregularities, polycystic ovarian syndrome. They have high estrogen states. For them, taking too much estrogen can actually cause more anxiety and psychosis and, and panic attacks and stress. So knowing each person is individual and testing each age group. And then the, on the other extreme of things, Christina, oftentimes if a woman is postmenopausal, their doctor might dismiss them and say, you're too old to take hormones or it doesn't seem to make a difference. And unfortunately, that's misinformation. Mm -hmm. Now we're reevaluating the studies that were done 20 years ago and we're debunking the story that women don't need hormones. We're also debunking this theory that it causes harm. In fact, the right amount of hormone at the right amount of time can actually save lives when mm -hmm. it comes to cardiovascular health and even breast cancer. So it's so good that we're talking about hormones because oftentimes this subject gets tabooed mm -hmm. because misinformation about the importance of replacing hormones in women. Yeah. So tell me, when we decided to do the hormone replacement therapy, what were some of the changes you noticed 
in your mood, in your in your behavior, and in your daily life? I slept better, and I was suffering of this crazy migraine. You know, I have migraine, had headache, and I was like basically living with the traveling with the ice pack. You know, because I was always afraid, like, oh my gosh, I have headache. You know, like, and it was debilitating. So when I find the right, you know, amount of hormones and and the right, you know, hormonal therapy, uh, my headache, you know they were just like really mild. And most of the time they were actually a consequence of a lifestyle. It wasn't even hormonal. Maybe I was drinking a little too much or maybe I wasn't sleeping enough, but just like something that it was related with lifestyle. And uh, and versus before I was having an impeccable lifestyle, you know, like I'm bleeding clean, not drinking, not socializing, having that aroma. And I was always like, and that's generated anxiety because I was saying like, I am so perfect. I'm having the perfect lifestyle. I'm, I'm eating right. I'm taking the proper vitamin and I don't feel good. So to go back to the initial discussion, like it's really important, you know, that you have the right amount of hormones because everything else function, you know, in, in a right, it goes in the right place. And you write it's so many different thumbtacks. Sometimes yeah. you're standing on 10 different thumbtacks. And if you're just focused on the one thumbtack, taking anxiety medication, but you're not fixing your diet, you're not cutting out the yeah. alcohol, you're not keeping a proper sleep schedule, you're not addressing hormonal imbalances, it can really not work. Yeah. And so it's important to address the lifestyle too. And uh, you brought up alcohol. I do want to bring that up because that's also something that's come in the news lately, that even moderate amounts of alcohol use has now been shown to be dangerous for health. Mm -hmm. And we're really encouraging men and women to reduce their intake of alcohol to less than two drinks a week. And I know that seems shocking for a lot of people, but just... I invite anybody who is suffering from sleep problems or anxiety or mood or depression to do a dry month just as an experiment to see if it is one of the factors that might be triggering some of your symptoms like headaches and sleep yeah. problems and anxiety. So thank you for Absolutely. bringing it up now. Absolutely. Even, especially anxiety. Even if uh, sometimes I have like, I don't, I'm not a big drinker, but you know, especially now with the holidays and have like maybe a couple glasses of wine, I recognize that, you know, I, I actually can see even my level of anxiety when I wake up in the morning and I don't, I don't have any reason to be anxious. And it's not like the typical hangover anxiety. It's just an overall anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to go through the day and I'm not even feeling bad. It's just like a mental level. So I absolutely agree that alcohol has some, you know, negative effect on people with anxiety for sure. For sure. And there are other substances like caffeine that can do that. Yeah. Chocolate can do that. Sugar can do that. And even certain processed foods can cause hypervigilance mm -hmm. in the system yeah. and lead to inflammation. And that low level of inflammation in the body can cause the body to feel more anxious, not because there's something bad happening in your life, but there's something bad happening in the body. And that high level of inflammation may be enough for the body to be triggered into this fight or flight syndrome. Yeah. That goes for sleep problems as well. Not getting a good night's sleep can lead you the next day to feeling more anxious, more triggered, more irritable, more, you know, more tired. So your lifestyle, our lifestyles, how we eat, what we eat can be a trigger. Yeah. Was there any other foods or any other dietary changes that you felt like made a difference when it came to your symptoms? Yes. So I actually, for a long period of time, when I was having this episode and I was like right in the middle of my anxiety, I completely eliminated a, a 
all the caffeine. So no coffee. I did like some, uh, I substitute with some mushroom coffee or barley and then no alcohol. I still had a little bit of a chocolate because, you know, they say it's antioxidant. So... <laughs> And and the spicy, you know, this, I love spicy food. I mean, I'm from Italy, so I like everything that is spices and heavy. So I try to eliminate those like uh, red peppers or even some of the vegetable like tomatoes or they were a little bit hard on my stomach. And so I was trying to uh, eliminate everything that was causing or like triggering my health anxiety. So it was a stomach ache or and I find it extremely beneficial. I was like love the sweet potato so sweet potato were like just like comfort and kind of a comfort food but at the same time healthy so that was my go-to go food yes mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so i do want to stop and talk about that because it's really important to know that every person watching is unique and different in terms of what's going to be good for them so it's really important to work with a practitioner that can help you identify trigger foods, eliminate those foods, or at least test the elimination through an yeah. elimination diet. And some of the foods that you mentioned, like the tomatoes can be nightshades, can be inflammatory for some people. There is a whole group of high histamine foods. There are foods that have high histamines in them, and they can be triggers for insomnia and agitation and anxiety. So mm -hmm. sometimes for patients that come in with no reason for their anxiety, I will look at their gut health, will look at the foods that they're eating, and maybe even try taking out some of those foods or have the patient test some of those foods to see if they're making the symptoms better or worse. So another piece of the puzzle can be that you're eating or drinking substances that are causing your body to have that hypervigilance. Yeah. So that's a really important point too. Were there any supplements that you found helped you in terms of any of your symptoms? I don't. I will not pinpoint one particular uh, supplement. Uh, I think that it was mostly a general change on a lifestyle and and especially I will say way of thinking. Uh, that was what I really made the biggest difference, even more than uh, taking medication. As you remember, you know, I was like, I don't want to take anything. I don't want to take anything. And I will never forget that you have this magical way of saying, look, just consider this medication as a training wheels. So we're just taking it because we are at the point where, you know, like we cannot do different. And it's true. Uh, I was really against it. And I said like, okay, you know, I may have to. And, and that it was great because that gave me that peace of mind to work in other areas. And so I was like more calm and I couldn't focus on, you know, develop better way of thinking and, and practice um, all the other things that we, we did together. So And that's important too, that we're not saying that you don't use conventional methods to treat yeah. Anxiety, we use the conventional methods while we're working on the underlying root cause of the anxiety. And also for you to start learning more about what's your triggers and what tools you can build in your toolkit. So one of the things you said, Christina, is that you learned how to change your perspective on things. What was your perspective before? And then how did you change your perspective on, on what's happening? Well, you know, one of the things that I learned from you is, and I remember every time that I was coming on my, my monthly session like every time I was having this episode it was always like all or nothing I was like I was dying and that's it you know like I, I, there was no solution and then I learned from you that 
start thinking that everything is temporary. So one thing's come and the way come like will go. And it, and I did, for me it was something completely new because it's like, you know, this is never going to be better. But you like slowly, you know, taught me like everything in life comes and go, you know, I like good time, bad time. So that was giving me some hope and feeling like, okay. And, and I learned slowly to, to surround it, to surround the, the, the big crisis and accept it. And it, it, I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. It was, it took a long time. So anxiety, unfortunately, you, you can never fix it. But you can, as we discussed many times, you can learn the tool that help you to accept it and then navigate it, you know, go with, go with the flow. Um, I still doing it, you know, I still, I don't have any more those acute panic attack, but I learned through your course, mindfulness course that you did, I learned how to observe, I learned to meditate, to count until 10 before you know I react and even how to use my word the word that I use toward myself how I communicate with other people so I don't create triggers that maybe anger and those are the absolutely the the best tools that I learned to uh, manage my anxiety like I say I still have episode and and I recognize it Mm -hmm. and I I am now capable to step back, like if I'm watching a movie, and step back and then looking at myself and then looking at what's going on, what happened, and thinking, okay, you know, I mean, I did it before, so I can go through that, and maybe I just relax and meditate, and and mostly, you know, I practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude really, really helped me to stay in the present moment. And be grateful for what I have, even anxiety sometimes compared to people that, you know, maybe they're suffering or they're on a terminal hill. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm alive. I'm having this anxiety and I'm grateful because every time I learn something more and, and then one more tools to, you know, get better to the next one. So I feel so proud you did that so well. You you have so many great tools that you've talked about. I'm just going to repeat a few of them so the audience kind of gets the premise if they're trying to gain these tools themselves. The first thing is, again, recognizing that everything is impermanent. So even though in the moment, you know, whether it's health anxiety or anxiety in general, it feels like it's going to last forever, knowing that there's a start, a middle and an end to every experience. So that's a big deal because it gives you hope that you're not stuck in this space forever. Second is to create a little bit of space because when we go into fight or flight, we come from a space of reactivity. And when you take that count of 10, what you're doing is you're creating space between the trigger and your response. And as you create space, you have choices you can make. So if you just go right into autopilot and you respond to somebody in a in a reactive way, you're only going to choose the tools that you already had from when you were a kid. But when you pause and take 10 deep breaths or five deep breaths or even one deep breath, it gives you enough time to have better perspective. And I love that you pull away like you're watching a movie and you stop, you take five deep breaths, you observe what just happened, how you feel, why you feel it, what you need, and what you normally do when you're triggered and what you need to do differently. 
And then you proceed with kindness for yourself because you have anxiety and this is difficult, but you have other resources and other ways of being. So, so it's a good thing to create pause. And then using all the tools in your tool belt, breath work, movement, okay. walk away, find a different way of communicating. Like you said, all those kinds of things can come into play, but only when you take a pause and step away and step back from the situation. So I just love that you said that, Christina, because it's so important for people watching to know that these tools do work uh-huh. and you just have to be more mindful and pay attention to the signs. What are some of the signs that you have now recognized that you're about to get triggered by something? Are you more body aware? Yes, I'm definitely more body aware, like all the uh, physical symptoms and so that, that happen, not very often, but sometimes it happens, you know, the palpitation and, and I use the same tool. So first of all, it says, okay, the way, that, you know, it could be instead of thinking I'm having an heart attack, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's... it's you know, I'm a little bit tired. Maybe my body, like, a, you know, my hormones are a little out of balance today. Or so I'm I'm capable to be more rational and thinking, okay, I'm not going to die. So definitely I'm more aware of my body. And, uh, and I'm capable to use these tools. And, and it's not easy because when you are in the middle of anxiety, it's easy to say. But it's not easy because it requires an incredible amount of courage. And I remember like how difficult it was, even the most simple things. And I'm talking about just going from my bed to brush my teeth. I didn't want to, like I spent so many months, so many months in bed because I was treating my anxiety as a illness. So I was like, I, am, uh, you know, and, and, and it was worse because I wasn't, obviously not tired. I was in bed and I keep thinking, why I have it? What, what is going to be? Uh, maybe I'm going to die. And it was uh, days and days and days in bed. And then until I find the strength and it's equal, I mean, climb the, the Mount Everest, even just to get out of bed because you feel dizzy, you feel nauseous, you have this palpitation, even just going to brush your teeth. And then and I start slowly and then I find that courage and to go against my body to say, stay here, stay here, like just like not move. And then slowly I learned that I could do it. I could brush my teeth. And it was, it take a long time, maybe a month. And then I say like, okay, now I'm going to the sofa, you know? And like I say, it's, it sounds easy, but it's absolutely incredibly, you require a, a, a lot of courage. But I promise you that if you're starting with, you know, just these little things and doing a little routine, and even if you're sick, even if you're like nauseous, just break it through, slowly you get better. You, your brain recognizes that there is no threat. You know, you can do it. And then every time you do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So, and I know it's difficult, but it's possible. So that's important. It's difficult, but possible. So you're giving people hope. You know, your courage and your strength and your ability to overcome something so difficult will give people hope that they too, if they're listening and they suffer from the same things, they're unable to get out of bed, brush their teeth, get up to the couch. They know that it's possible. And just you sharing that with them is going to give them the courage to want to try it. 
And you know, it, it's such a tight community because it's only who really suffer anxiety understand how difficult it is because we use the words anxiety too often. And I remember talking to some of my girlfriends says, oh, come out, you know, with us, like I can, I can. And then I say like, I'm having anxiety. Oh, me too. You know, lately I've been so anxious. Well, there is a difference between being anxious because you have a lot of things on your schedule and having an anxiety disorder. An anxiety disorder is mental awareness and it's different to be recognized by people that don't really suffer. And, and also the people that have it, you feel kind of like in your own, like sometimes in a box because people don't understand your pain. And then when you're saying, even your loved one, if they never try, they don't understand. They may say, come on, go out and take some a walk or a fresh hair or, and like you can't, you can't keep saying like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so you feel like even worse because you feel like in your little world and you feel like really imaginated. You feel like I never got to get better. I'm never going to get better because you feel so alone and so fragile because mm -hmm. you really like recognize I can't even go to the bathroom. And then you're trying to tell the people that live with you or your friends, you don't understand. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they may think you're crazy <laughs> it's, and, and it's not a good feeling, you know, no. because uh, you don't, you don't want to say I'm anxious because you keep saying it. And then, you, you know, it's just like, it's awful, but unfortunately it's, it's, it's work. It's a lot of work. It's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. And let me tell you, I, I was in a bad spot and now I have a regular life. So I do everything and, even even like uh, last year, I had a, a hip replacement, and uh, I, I remember talking to you, and you were giving me all this tool. Like, are you feeling like I was like I have no fear. I'm ready to go. So and that's, that's a lot. Big deal. That's yeah. a big deal. Absolutely. And so, for the folks that are watching us today, Christina, anything that you want to share with them? With you know, the journey is not a straight line. It's obviously yeah. all over the place. But yeah. what what would you tell them that they could do? today that might help them move the needle towards better health? Well, definitely it, the lifestyle. Try to, as simple as your nutrition and your like supplement, you know, if you can, especially now is the holiday. So the holidays triggers a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety, even for people that don't necessarily have anxiety disorder. So try to eliminate all the extra work that you think you need to do it. I keep saying, you know, even to my own daughter, it's okay to just not doing anything. Just be with yourself, be more playful uh, and not always feel that uh, we, we have to, especially as women, we have to do everything right. We have to take care of everybody. We need to do everything right. So it's okay just not doing anything. So take time for yourself. And and also, I learned through my anxiety how to really love myself more. You know, I'm definitely a caregiver, so I always encourage other and I remember talking to you and sometimes you were saying like, you always have such a nice things to say to everybody, uplifting everybody, why you don't love yourself in the same way. So, and it's very difficult to recognize that, but that's what we do. So I start there and one more time, find the courage to doing that little 
uncomfortable things, the things that you don't want to do it, just find the courage to just do a little because this is how you learn that there is no fear. You know, the fear is it's the fear of the fear, like they say. It's true. You are, I was fearful that the fear was coming. So, and the only way to eliminate that, which is to me, it was the most debilitating thing is like, have the courage to do that little thing that scare you and see that there's nothing to be scared, you know, and do it again. So this is my advice. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. I want to thank you again for coming today and sharing your story. And I want to thank everybody here for joining us today. And I'll see you next week for another episode on Healing Journeys. 